guys. You're listening to Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke. My name is Katie Wiggins. And I'm Morgan Drisco. And this is a podcast where we tell each other true, scary stories. And when this podcast goes out, it will be one day until the beginning of October, yes? Halloween. It will be the 30th. No, it will not be Halloween. All of October is Halloween, Katie. All right, then it'll be Halloween when this comes out. So uh, I'm really excited about that. Last night was the first night I wore my jacket out in the world. Um, Okay, I would say I hate you, but it's in the 70s here, low 70s, cool breeze. So we're we're getting a little bit of fall here in Texas, too. Well, in Dallas. Houston is not getting any cool weather. (laughs) Oh god, that hurts it's my like heart to think It's like flooding in 90 degrees there. Oh, Classic Houston. <laughs> so, uh, the ghost story that I'm gonna tell you today. <laughs> I guess this has been a long time coming. Yeah. But, um, I'll, I'll give you a hint. Any understanding of this nation has to be based, and I mean really based, on an understanding of the Civil War. I believe that firmly. It defined us. The revolution did what it did. Our involvement in European wars, beginning with the First World War, did what it did. But the Civil War defined us as what we are, and it opened us up to what we would become, good and bad things. And it is very necessary, if you're going to understand the American character in the 20th century, to learn about this enormous catastrophe of the mid-19th century. It was a crossroads of our being, and it was a hell of a crossroads. Shelby Foote, historian and writer. So today, I will be talking about the ghosts of Gettysburg. That's uh, music from Ken Burns' documentary on the Civil War. Uh, For the few who have seen that and were just listening to that, I'm sure you just felt instant recall. Um, (laughs) It's a wonderful, many, many, many hour documentary series on the Civil War. Makes me cry pretty much every moment of it for everyone involved. (laughs) Um, The Civil War is also one of my favorite wars to cry about. Um... Yeah, it's it's great and it's horrible. It's beyond horrible. It's great and it is beyond words terrible. So it's pretty much the perfect uh, ghost, perfect ghost, mixture ghost. for some ghost stories. And because the Civil War is so extensive and so many battles and so many people died, I thought I would take us to the one area um, that has the most activity has been reported, basically, and that is Gettysburg, Ooh. Pennsylvania. Now, the Battle of Gettysburg (laughs) took place on July 3rd in 1863. Um, History. And I got uh, got this, all these accounts uh, from the television show Haunted History, which is so fun. It's one of the first ghost history shows I ever saw. Uh, It was on like Travel Channel or something like that, History Channel. And it was on on, like, Sunday mornings. And it was a really wonderful thing to watch. And it was also pretty gruesome, which I appreciated. (laughs) So I'm going to be talking about uh, 
basically the people that they interview who have had experiences around the Civil War battlefield, or around the Gettysburg battlefield and surrounding areas. And the narrator starts thus. Their orders were simple. Kill as many enemy soldiers as possible. I feel like their orders were probably a little more complicated than that. You know, there's maneuvering that takes place. They have directions they have to go. I don't think they were just like... All right, blue diamond didn't work. 42 green. (laughs) (laughs) That's disrespectful. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh, anyway, it took place over three days, and 51,000 people, 1,000 men died, uh, making Gettysburg one of the bloodiest, one of the bloodiest battles America, (laughs) I really can't do this, I've had a a little too much coffee, uh, one of the bloodiest battles America will ever know, knock on wood, it was a scene of horror. 150 years later, hundreds of phenomena are reported more than any other Civil War battlefield. To give you an idea of Gettysburg, it's really, I feel like, hard for anyone to really comprehend, but hundreds and hundreds of lives were lost in a matter of minutes. Like, really, carnage like that had not ever been seen I think on American soil ever. And it was brother against brother, Americans. Oh God, if I keep going like this, I know where it's gonna go. But um, it, it really was like a, a vision of true carnage. And I think that the people that saw it and were there and survived have said that it, it, it was basically hell on earth. They could not imagine really anything worse and it would haunt them for the rest of their lives. And then in 1938, there was a, I think probably for Veterans Day, there it was like the last like Civil War veterans alive, and it was like Union soldiers next to Confederate soldiers in their uniforms, these super super Aww. old men just like tottering tottering next Aww. to each other in the street, and I oh my god, it just makes me want to die. It's so sad. Ugh. Like I said. One of my favorite things to cry about. Um, but I didn't, I don't look for these things that make me cry. They just find me. <laughs> and this is one of those things. Um, oh, and if, if, if it's to be believed, I don't know that much about the Civil War, like tactical battle shit, mm-hmm. but I don't think Gettysburg was really all that, like, it wasn't part of, like, the master plan. It was just kind of like, oh, fuck, there you are. Mm-hmm. Here we go! Like, (laughs) I think I see a blue uniform over there. We should probably do something about it. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of carnage, a lot of pain, a lot of agony, the deafening sound of what a Civil War battle would have sounded like. Screams, piles of dead people. Really horrific, and it's really hard to imagine that that happened on American soil, but it absolutely did. So... They meet up, uh, and I'm going to be going through a series of different people's experiences around there. So we meet up with a woman named Carol Starr, who's a paranormal investigator. And her experience was that she was walking near the Valley of Death, uh, which is near the Devil's Den, (laughs) (laughs) and Little Round Top. (laughs) One is not like the other. Uh, 
She's investigating, I think, with her, her partner. And suddenly, they start hearing... <laughs> she starts hearing that coming from the forest. And she's oh like, um, no. let's turn the video camera on. <laughs> Holy fuck. I would have preferred the ad music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I started hearing uh, taps, if I started hearing the music that happens at a soldier's funeral... I'm backing no. the fuck away from wherever that is yeah. coming from. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. <laughs> um, I believe I've overstepped my welcome. <laughs> goodbye, y'all. <laughs> goodbye now. <laughs> Over yonder. Bye now. Uh, so she, she looks into the forest and she's talking to the guy with her and she's like, someone's playing fucking taps. And so they turn, they focus their old timey video camera on it. Old time, it's from like ninety eight, and um, <laughs> and well, it was you had to rest Clunky. it on your shoulder, so <laughs> I think that's fair to say, old timey. <laughs> um, and so they're looking in the forest, and a white fog starts to appear, and you can see it in this film. Whoa! And then out of the mist, walks a soldier. It just walks by very, very slowly. And disappears. And you can see it on her <gasps> camera. Seriously? It doesn't look like a fully formed human person. But you can see something kind of bubble up out of the mist. Move forward slightly and then just dissipate. And Holy I was like, shit. what the fuck? Does Holy anyone shit. know about this? Like, has anyone seen this, like, dumbass 90s documentary about the Gettysburg? Because How this woman just everywhere? caught, like, unbelievable, like, an unbelievable video. But um, I don't know. Maybe there's, <laughs> maybe oh there's God. infighting amongst the paranormal groups they don't share. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe they're, no, like, UFO mind. groups and they, there's a lot of, you know, they're very protective of their evidence. But you'd think that... I don't know. I thought somebody should care. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I thought care. it was pretty amazing. And I, that's one of the best videos I've ever seen of like an actual like apparition. Like that is just a person erupting out of this mist and walking while Taps is playing. Like <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so paranormally crazy. great. <laughs> Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, then they cut to a historian, and the historian says, A victory on northern soil could bring about a negotiated end to the war. Um, during the summer of 1963, they were much more concerned with killing the enemy than gaining land. That's the weird thing about war. There's, like, a goal? Like, it's, it seems so ridiculous, but it, it's yeah. also, like, you have to, like, you're trying to literally push people back so that you can take more land i don't know it all seems ridiculous if it's explained to me i'm like yeah. still we're doing this still yeah we can't just we literally have to just throw people against each other to to come to a conclusion we should have like a tournament well that's still pretty dumb but i not like a i like tournament. the well if like it's not a, a murder strike. tournament then people are not gonna <laughs> then do it's it. not a tournament <laughs> It's know. still the idea know. of using <laughs> violence and brute strength to, like, 
make hey, huge decisions. Like that feels like such a coin toss. And science in the tournament? I don't. I, I'm not limiting it. There's a science element to the competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's a test. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna shelf that for a minute, but I'm <laughs> but we will return to your idea yeah. for solving world conflict. <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple one. <laughs> Gather for the Bring tournament. The SAT. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Anywho. <laughs> so, they were concerned with killing each other, which, I mean, one might assume. Uh, the Battle of Gettysburg was an unplanned event brought about by the fact that that's where the soldiers ran into each other. <laughs> oh, jeez. Once the fighting begins, it goes on for three days, and cannons still dot the landscape and fences stretch across the countryside. Uh, so, n- nothing has been built there. Which I feel like is smart. Smart, yeah. Yeah. Because that shit would. Uh, no. <laughs> There's That'd not enough sage in nonsense. the world to. No. Kind of clear the, the pain of that area. I don't know what could be done. I really don't know. You'd probably have to get like 150 mediums to all just like gather yeah. in a circle and channel their energy. But also, what an idea. I'm not opposed. <laughs> so we meet up. <laughs> With Ken Gearhart, tour guide. So he says that he was walking to meet the other storytellers. And I feel like the tour guide game, I get a little bit like Ren Fair vibes, as in like they all like hang out and get fucked up in a field. (laughs) (laughs) So um, maybe I'm wrong, but that's really the feelings that I'm getting. Like somebody's getting felt up in a Confederate uniform. Anyway, uh, Ken Gerhardt, he says he was walking to meet the other storytellers in his Confederate uniform, and they were headed to an area where a lot of Ohio men were slaughtered. And this idiot, he goes, uh, a young lady with us convinced me it would be a good idea to play Dixie on my jaw harp to see if we could get a response out of them. Oh, and I'm like, way to pass the fucking blame. Just yeah. because a pretty lady said that you should antagonize some spirits, you did it. That's not on her. I would have oh. done the same bullshit to you because that's dumb as hell. Me, and I did it, and it's her fault. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Next. So I'll play you what that may have sounded like. For some reason, they think so many viewers are listening to Dixie. From the Sounds of the Civil War soundtrack that they felt the need to advertise. <laughs> That's Dixie. But he was, he was playing it on a jaw harp, which if what you don't... A, ch- a jaw yeah. harp is essentially a piece of trash that you can <laughs> use as an instrument. I had one. <laughs> It's oh um it's basically Isn't it a kazoo. No. It Isn't makes old timey name. <laughs> no, it makes even uh a less appealing sound. Uh oh, it's this metal piece that you put in your mouth and then there's this like metal like almost like a prong, like a finger that you just like bang 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 like you flick it with your finger and then you make different shapes with your mouth and it makes different pitches with the so it's it would have sounded oh like Bang, 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 bang. Like, it, it, 
is not like a I don't think it was a respectful rendition of Dixie. And if I had been a Confederate soldier ghost, I may have attacked him. Because that's just not the way you play it. Um, um, So this dumbass gets out his jaw harp. And if he was trying to impress this woman, a jaw harp is not the way to do it. Um, (laughs) Never the way. So he gets this thing out. He's playing it. And then he gets this debilitating blow to his stomach. It was. <laughs> it wasn't a bullet, but he said it, it felt like one. Oh! And then he said he heard a voice in his head that said, "You knew what you did was wrong, but you did it anyway. <gasps> so don't you come back again until you learned your lesson." Oh my god! <laughs> <coughs> well Sweet spoken, Lord in heaven. And but also, also yes, I mean he's right. But also, don't go in the fucking Union area where a bunch of Union soldiers were killed and go playing Dixie on your jaw harp like a dumbass. Yeah, <clears throat> unnecessary. That's just common sense. So, um, <laughs> that's amazing. I don't even think I would go in there wearing a Confederate uniform. I, I wouldn't. I just no. Number There's one, no where would I get one? And then. We meet up with a woman named Lori Hall, and I assume all these people, like, know each other, because they're all, like, listed as, like, tour guides, like, shop oh, workers, yeah. like, all around Gettysburg, so all these people have they probably, like, made other. out, like, at some mm-hmm. point. They're, like, Not waiter. Kenny, though. They're, no, Ken. He's useless. Leave no. Ken alone. Like, at first, you're like, oh, mate, and then it's like, no. Like, some, like, the register girl at the gift shop is like, don't, don't even try. It's not fucking <laughs> worth it. So, um, so all these people know each other, and uh, we meet up with Lori Hall. She says, I was walking on the battlefield, and then I saw this soldier come out of nowhere, and it was a Confederate soldier, but there was something about him. I, well, also, she's, she's living around a bunch of reenactors, so it could have very, she could have been like, oh, that <laughs> clap once if you're Jeremy. <laughs> Or she's just like, are you sure I can't have next Sunday off? <laughs> Jeremy? <laughs> but um, Rick, the spirit said I could leave early. <laughs> Come on. She's like, well, heading home early. And they're like, what are you talking about? You can't leave early. And she's like, uh-huh, I met you in the field last night and you said I could go home. And he's like, that wasn't me. <laughs> well, someone came from beyond the grave to tell me just I some... could leave early and go to the movies. And Scheduling. Humor. Scheduling. <laughs> um, and she said there was something about him that she could just tell wasn't human. Mm. And she said, what are you doing here? And she had a voice recorder out, so she must have been ghost hunting. Oh. And she recorded a voice, one of the clearest EVPs I've ever heard, that said, I'll shoot you. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh well, you know what, sir? I'm just gonna mosey on back. <coughs> yeah, no. No. Mm-mm. Well, he answered the question. That's what you're I, doing here. I love an EVP. <laughs> it was a whisper. It wasn't like an I'll shoot you that was like muffled or warped. It was like someone whispering, I'll shoot you. And it's like, oh, that's crazy. Okay, okay. That's, that's good. I'm gonna, okay. Loud and clear. <laughs> I got it. I 
love how aggressive and insane these soldiers are. Because it's like, what the fuck do they expect? Someone to be like, yeah. well, sit down a minute and I'll weave you a yarn yeah. of how I got to be in this here Pennsylvania <laughs> field. Like, <laughs> no. I bet you're wondering how I ended up here. <laughs> the year was 19th. No, it's not 19th. Scraps. Edit that out. Um, I edit. I don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Okay. George uh, editing. Cut that out. So now we're back at Ken Gearhart. Back to Ken Gearhart. And he he's constantly walking around this place wearing a Confederate uniform. So you know he's going to be a fucking target for shit happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's walking around one day. And he says he comes across a man crying in the field. And this is a human oh. real man. Alive. Oh. Oh. Uh, I'm not oh. suggesting that ghosts are not real men. Your masculinity <laughs> is intact if your body no longer is. He's crying. He comes across a man crying in the field. And he comes up and is like, what's wrong? And if this, if <laughs> I'm sure if I went to Gettysburg, I would just be like laid out on the ground, just like sobbing. And of course, if any, <laughs> I'm sure everyone would try to avoid me. But the first person <laughs> who walked by, I'd be like, you know what hurts the most? <laughs> um. So this guy says, That he had been held down face to the ground by an unseen force for several minutes until he was dragged by the wrist down the hill. And when he turned his head back to see where he was being dragged to, he saw a pit surrounded by Confederate soldiers. Holy shit. It was over as soon as it had begun and there was no one out there with him and no pit. So then Ken Gearhart continues, uh, goes on to tell us that the area he was in was an area where there were a ton of mass burial pits. And that at the time you were basically buried where you laid or about (laughs) within like a hundred yards and they would dig these massive pits and just drag you. And someone said that it was the job of the winners to bury the dead, but I'm not sure if that's true. I think it was just the job of the alive but obviously yeah, I'm not knows. sure. So, uh, and both Confederate and Union dead were buried in mass burials near where they fell. So, we are going to move from the actual battlefield to the Homestead Orphanage, which is about a thousand yards from the battlefield. Oh my god, that's not far. It is not. So, we meet up with Kendra Belgrad, tour guide. Storyteller. So, yes. Friend of Kinney. <laughs> Ken friend. Advocate of the arts. I it just. <laughs> so she um. She's talking about her feelings of working in the orphanage, and she says she's always got a feeling of being watched in the basement. People feel pinches and little knuckle jabs in their shoulders and she says it has to be rosa so to know who rosa is we have to start back uh with a dead soldier as it all begins so sergeant amos hummiston was shot and fell mortally wounded his last hours were spent clutching a photograph of his three children so this was a a media sensation 
because they found the photograph that was in his hand and they were trying to identify him. They didn't know who it was. And so they put that photograph in the newspaper and were like, please come forward if these are your kids or if you know this guy. Images used in newspapers to try to help identify the man and the mother of the children comes forward. And from, I think, that sort of media situation uh, or bringing to light the amount of orphaned children in the battle in the battles, uh, an orphanage is opened to give kids the opportunity to be educated and to be safe during the war. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they built that just a thousand yards from Jeez. the bloodiest battlefield that would ever take a place. But um, they did not cross-contaminate. Uh, I don't think any stray bullets caught these kids. Horrible thing to say. Uh, Okay. But don't worry. They had terrible times. So uh, the first first headmistress they had was wonderful and kind, had a great reputation around town, and the children loved her. But then Rosa Carmichael takes over for her and her reign of terror begins and is added to the list of Gettysburg horrors. So, um, we meet up with Morgan Johnson, tour guide. So she's describing what happened to these kids. She says she locked them in the outhouse. She tied them to the fences in the hot sun. Oh my God. If you can think of something terrible to do to a child, she's done it. Which, why, why? I don't know. As a nanny, you know, sometimes they just get on your nerves, and you just think, you know, what would do you good? A couple hours of exposure to the elements. I get not liking kids, but my lord. (laughs) Well, this is obviously just like a sadistic woman bastard. It's like a a super Miss Hannigan. Um. Yeah, I feel like Miss Hannigan was more negligent than she was actively malicious. Mm. Um, but that's a debate we can continue for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Trials and tribulations of Annie, little orphan. So, um, there was a door in the basement where the mm. kids were led down a low ceiling hallway. Miss Trunchbull, that's who she is in Matilda, like the evil headmistress. That's who this woman is more like. Mm -hmm. So there was a door in the basement where they were led down a low ceilinged hallway where they were taken into a small room. The door was closed and they were locked in there for days. (gasps) Oh my God. Uh, This one time, um, Butter, my cat, was being really aggressive. So I put her in the the bathroom for a few minutes and Mm -hmm. I forgot about her for like 10 minutes and I felt so bad. I wanted to die. So, um... I feel like I understand. (laughs) 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 This one time I left a cat in the bathroom for 10 minutes. minutes. And I just didn't know what I was going to do in this world. I thought I knew who I was. Um, So she would chain them in the dark. And inspectors would come. But she would just hide the kids down there. So nobody was the wiser. Oh, they couldn't talk. Well, I feel like they could scream, but I don't know that. Oh, yeah, no, they wouldn't do that. Yeah, I don't know, actually. And she recruits a young assistant, a teenage boy that would later earn the moniker Stick Boy, who would carry out most of her punishments. Yeah, they weren't 
hyper creative with their it's nicknames me, back in the day. It's me, Stickboy. Well, here's the thing about Stickboy. It's an apt nickname. So many employees oh. have experienced Stickboy. So Kendra is back. See, they all fucking know each other. So Kendra says, I smelled, I was, she was in like the main above ground area of the orphanage. Mm -hmm. And she says she smelled a really horrible sewer smell. And it was so intense. She was almost sick. And for New Yorkers, you can imagine (laughs) this scent extremely vividly. Makes me almost want to throw up right now. Um... So she went to another room to tell her manager about it. He turned out to be a ghost. And then she can't. No. The manager is. I feel like in Gettysburg, everyone is always just accidentally a ghost. Um, There's only one real employee. It's Kitty. Like all these people being interviewed eventually just disappear. We're like, wait, who was that? Uh, So she tells her manager he comes back and he can't smell anything. Smell is gone. That's a big thing about paranormal things. Yeah. Smellies. <laughs> so yeah. And like a real stinky stink would take a long time to unstink, but with ghosts, it takes they a make long it go... time to stink stink and a long time to dissipate. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> but not with the ghost stink. No. With a ghost stink, it's there and it's gone. It's oh, crazy. God, it's really depressing how vividly I know exactly the smell she's describing. <laughs> <laughs> Simply take the Q train to Canal Street and just breathe in. Ooh, it's yum. <laughs> oh, I've got this pumpkin spice coffee. I need to, like, chug this shit. <laughs> Get that horrifying smell. Mm-hmm. Out of your brain. Out of my brain. Also, piece of advice, if you ever see an empty subway car... And an otherwise very crowded subway, don't go in it. There's a reason <laughs> you're going to find out real fast when you walk in why no one is in there. Just is a little piece function? of advice. Oh, it could be anything. <laughs> it could be anything, but it's... If it's, intoler- if it's intolerable for New Yorkers, it's like... um. Somehow. It's like someone should be in a hazmat suit, like, handling oh. it. <laughs> like, New Yorkers will tolerate a lot of bullshit. Just because I think we all don't want to admit to each other that we're weak. So they're like, yeah, I will fucking shove my face in the armpit of this homeless man before admitting that I'm uncomfortable. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's a weird pressure. on the subway? No. Well, what do you mean by on the subway? Like, on- <laughs> Not... <laughs> Not in the like subway. In the car. No, 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 no. Okay. That's that's I've some bubonic the... plague shit. That that would not be no. I've that's seen videos not of them like on the rails. When yeah, they're always on the tracks. Ugh, isn't that nice? <laughs> it's okay. I've got I've got a mouse in my backyard. Oh yeah, that's that's just the same. Katie, a sweet my little home. Dallas mouse. A little country mouse, and I get a city rat. <laughs> it's the life you chose. It's, it's just the life I chose. It's really filled it with is rats. <gasps> true. We always knew rats were going to be in our destiny. Oh, what a mess. We, we confess this, this is, is we something we would rather do without rats. Rats! <laughs> <laughs> we, were we were in a Pied um, Piper uh, musical. Obviously. Duh. So. 
So they bring in a paranormal <laughs> investigator into the orphanage. And he says that he can see a young man in the corner, about 15 years old, with a stick in his hands. And he's glaring at them. And he's slapping the stick in the palm of his hand. And he just said, there's a very angry young man in the back of that room. Oh. So this guy was the man who was supposed to be carrying out... She was carrying out the punishments that uh, Rosa Carmichael would dole out. So she was... God, I can't imagine being that horrific. It's just, like, so exhausting to be evil. I never understand the choice. And we never know what's going to happen when we die, but it's like, I don't think any religion thinks that you're going to be better off if you're evil in life. So it's like, why take the risk? Yeah. Don't be evil. That's our stance. Yeah. So Try not. So visitors often bring toys as a sign of respect. A doll was brought. It looks like a, a Mary Alexander doll. Do you know what that is? It's like the mm-hmm. super, it's like the little porcelain faced. They have really oh, curly okay. hair yeah. and nice yeah, little yeah. outfits. Like they're little and kind of fragile and they're expensive. Um, so br- somebody brings a doll like this. And it was put behind glass upstairs. That's nice. Somehow, later on, I think days later, it ends up in the basement. And its arms and legs are ripped off. Oh. Okay. Okay. Oh. All right. Oh, no. How did this get um, broken? Wow. I think I'll just throw this away. I guess the the cat got it. Oh. (laughs) The cat's a ghost, too. Ah. Wait, we don't have a cat. joke of Gettysburg is that every person I'm like who are you real because I've got no evidence okay do 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 so back to Morgan Johnson tour guide extraordinaire she said that when she's giving tours anytime she would talk badly about what Rosa did to the children it felt as if her stomach was being twisted and grabbed from the inside Oh, and then the moment she stopped talking about Rosa, it stopped. That's crazy. <laughs> so Kendra brings uh, she's another tour guide. She brings a group. One time she was bringing a group down to the basement and she closed the door to have them imagine what it would be like to be locked down oh. there. That's such an ideal job. Yeah. I love that idea. Being like, people died here. I'm going to turn off the lights and close the door. And I'm not letting anyone out until I see some tears. Because this is history. And this is real. And I need you to empathize. Because I feel this every fucking day. Are you here with me right now? And the whole tour group was comprised of ghosts. (laughs) I turned the lights on. Everyone's gone. Wait, again? (laughs) I just lost 150 fucking bucks. Shit. (laughs) And we're going to tips, you guys. That's. So they're in there. 
So she's in there with them and she's trying to have them all feel, which I love. Oh, God, I love it. I'm (laughs) I'm going to be reading accounts of slaves while we all sit. And I want you to think about it. (laughs) I would love to do that. But I guess that is kind of my job as an actor to make people feel. So people were having feelings, except for it was feelings of children sitting on their laps. (gasps) <gasps> little 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 fingers playing with their hair. Woof. Woof. <laughs> I can't handle that when live children do that to me. Mm-mm. Oh, Jesus. So, um, yeah, the little girl I babysit has this really fun habit of when we're sitting on the subway together, she'll just drape her entire body on me. And I'm like, no, we can't do that. That's called personal space. And you're invading it. Kids have no it. sense of it. No, not at all. Okay. We even did this fun little dance. We were Last night, we were watching uh, Halloween cake decorating. Yeah, you were. And uh, she was sitting really close next to me on this gigantic couch. <laughs> so I scooted over, and then she scooted closer. And then I was like, are we really going to play this fucking game? Do you not understand why I'm scooting away from you right now? And then I'm like, just give me a little bit of space. And she's like, oh, okay, sorry. And then she puts her feet right up against me. And I'm like, space from all of you. Every part of you. But also that's me with Roger. Oh, are you kidding? I'm like like an exoskeleton on my boyfriend. I'm always touching. But it doesn't. That's consensual. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. I've never asked him. So, (laughs) So people are feeling touches and mm. little kid things which is horrific <laughs> yeah, no. and um and then she's like okay now that everyone's crying we're gonna <laughs> go upstairs um and we're gonna ask for the children to come up with us that's true and so we get to the so they get to the top of the stairs oh lord and the door won't open oh here, maybe I can create a soundtrack. Uh, a soundtrack. Hello? Tom? Can you come and let us in? Tom? I'm on break. <laughs> I'm on break, you dumb bitch! <coughs> so, um... <clears throat> no one can hear them. Everyone is starting to panic. Because this door has locked itself. And they're in the basement where a bunch of kids were tortured. And touching them beyond the grave. (laughs) Yes. But the weird thing is, they don't sense that this is the children's preventing them. Mm. They're trying to leave with the kids. Oh, they don't want And something is stopping. Finally, they're yelling. They're panicked. This poor woman trying to keep everyone calm and finally someone just happens upon them outside and opens the door for them thank god they could have been there overnight (laughs) Ooh, think of all the emotions we could have had i've got you all for 13 hours when you come out you will not be the same (laughs) okay Uh, and the reason that the orphanage was eventually shut down was because a child was found locked in an outhouse. And investigations began into the orphanage. Mm, good. Then finally, after nine years of abuse, Rosa is charged with child abuse. 
find the hefty sum of 20 big ones and was never heard from again. I think $20 was... Jail time? Uh... No, I think the jails were probably filled with <coughs> confederates. Mm. Uh, not sure they had room. Uh, yeah, no. She just got fined 20 bucks. <laughs> but that was probably like $200, was $200 then. So like a bad parking ticket. So <laughs> Don't do it don't again. Don't you dare do that for a decade again. And she was never heard from again. So we don't know what happened to her. Did she even pay her fine? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, she that Mary that what was it Rosa Carmichael, she'll torture your children, but she's not a debtor. So, the last place I'm going to take you is to the Gettysburg College. Now, there have been so many of the same account that I'm not even choosing a single person's account because so many people have had this very experience. Ooh. So they're in. Pennsylvania Hall, mm-hmm. which is a place. <laughs> Picture that. <laughs> so it, no, it's a it's this historic college. Um, pre-war, there were people studying there before the war broke out, oh and um, if you can believe it, and Pennsylvania Hall was used as a, a Civil War hospital in mm. the basement. Mm. which feels like a really bad place to put a hospital, a basement, no, because no. you need some air moving. Some light. No. <laughs> so, several people have experienced this. They walk into Pennsylvania Hall. They go into the elevator. They press 6923, wherever it is they're going, mm-hmm. but the elevator takes them down. Mm-mm-mm. They land. They stop. They land. They land. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In the basement. The doors open to reveal the horrific scene of a Civil War hospital. Oh my god. Men are screaming. There are piles of limbs. Amputations are actively happening. And the doctor about to saw off someone's leg sees the person standing in the elevator and beckons them forward to help. Eventually, the doors close and the elevator goes up to the floor that the button was pressed for. I gave myself goosebumps. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I don't like it. I'm already scared enough of elevators. I don't don't need that. I don't need to go into work on Monday press 20 and then go down to (laughs) what i love about that is it's almost like forcing you to like appreciate what happened here like yeah you just see this as a college dorm or a a hall for a lecture hall or something but it's like so much much pain happened here and i'm gonna make you know about it you know what i mean that's fair yeah i don't either and i don't even know if they're intelligent spirits or if it's just like energy caught on the universe's way of saying like look what happened here i have no idea but 
it's amazing. Horrible. And amazing. Um, I think I probably have... <laughs> there was one quote that I wrote down from the uh, the Ken Burns documentary that I thought was really funny. I feel I would like to shoot a Yankee. But I feel that this would not be in harmony with the spirit of Christianity. William Nugent. Oh. <laughs> I love these musings. He's like, I would like to shoot a Yankee. I think that'd be quite nice. <laughs> and yet, I don't think I should. Hmm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think that he's was pretty, f- pretty funny. And he's being honest. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it. Um, so there's a, a million other stories of stuff happening. A million. So many phantom soldiers seen. So many accounts of tourists being like, oh, you're... Your people in costume are really impressive. And people being like, what people in costume? What people? But, um... I can only imagine how many things people have seen there. I'm sure it's unbelievable. And the people that work there on, like, a daily basis, like, they are constantly coming back. That'd be like working at Auschwitz. Like, Like, how can you... So be much. surrounded by that all the time. Although it's a field. There's like barely any real structures left. But And there's a lot yeah. more haunted history around that area. I just touched on the stuff that I thought was kind of the most interesting that I could fit in. But if you found this interesting, I do highly recommend looking into the history of how our great nation was created, divided, but United yet again. <laughs> Katie Wiggins. I love that. Fourth Infantry, Texas. <laughs> oh, that's she so makes good. me cry. Yeah, so that's our story. That's oh my, my story. God. That's so sad. That's and I don't story. know if it caught on my microphone, but about halfway through you telling the story, it just torrential rain just really and i went outside it was sunny breezy clear skies it's out of respect it is it is i appreciate that climate is always there for us so uh so that's my story uh but today is the beginning of our stephen (laughs) king toberfest i've decided to call it king toberfest i like it (laughs) it's and it's forced but it's forced, it. but fuck off. What <laughs> of those words is not forced? Like, what what of those like word jambles is doesn't sound? It just flows off the off the tongue. Kingtoberfest. It does. So you stop. Um. So now we're gonna begin. Uh, what is going to be happening all through the month and culminating for our Halloween special? We're gonna be watching a Stephen King adap- an adaptation of a Stephen King book or short story Mm -hmm. and then i've decided that from each of the movies that we're going to watch that is where i'm going to take my trivia for you for the (gasps) halloween special Ooh, i like that so pay a fucking attention morgan oh because i I love to give you the most ridiculous trivia i go back and listen to last year's halloween episode i surprised myself you did did really well and i gave you basically impossible 
Yeah, impossible I got lucky question. on a lot of them, but you did. It was really like nice work when you were in spelling bee. And y'all had me spell in front of people, and mm-hmm. I got lucky and spelled right. <laughs> Nonsense! You were just Which the only not person that knew how to spell. One person <laughs> couldn't spell cat right, and it almost derailed the whole show because yeah. we're like, oh. I guess oh, we have but... to go into this song now because <laughs> y- you were supposed to not be voting. Okay. Whatever. I love it. Anyway, Morgan, you don't just get lucky. You know what a U is, baby Why lamb, and you know you? how to spell it. Yep. I'm okay. Star. It's not my fault. So, um, <laughs> so this week we watched 1408. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to do something that I saw in another podcast that I love. And that's a, a 30 second recap. So I wanna I want you to take 30 seconds and mm-hmm. explain the whole movie and then I'll do the same thing. Okay, well, okay, okay. It's gonna so be So start a start a timer on your phone. Oh, I don't have my phone near me. It's I, okay. Wait. I got it. I got okay, it. Okay. Okay, let me think for a second. Okay. Um 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 all right. All right. All right. Okay. Ready? I'll keep I'll keep wait. this in front of the camera. Just a warning before we start. Spoilers. Spoilers. Oh no! This if, is a fe- this you is have to have watched this movie to watch it. You're gonna hear beginning to end all the spoilers. Just a warning, because I don't want people getting upset. Okay. 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 Ready? Yes. Three, two, one. Tormented author, possible alcoholic, loses daughter very young, gets rid of wife, gets rid of father, goes to hotel, doesn't believe it's spooky. Is it spooky? <laughs> Snakes on a plane guy says it is. Gets stuck in it. Loops. Craziness. He, he, fire. He tries to jump out of the window. There never was a window. He, cold, hot, cold. Death. Despair. Daddy. I did all I needed to do. Daddy. I'll try to do the same thing. Let me, so, let me think I love for this. a second. Oh my god, that was so funny, <laughs> Daddy. Um, Daddy. I probably re- probably shouldn't even collect my thoughts. Okay, no, it, it's best not to. Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, we've got a, a hack paranormal writer. Mm-hmm. He's not that successful. He used to be successful. He finds, gets his postcard to not go to 1408. So, of course, he goes to 1408 in this fictitious hotel based on the Roosevelt in New York. He goes. He's like, this isn't fucking haunted. And they're like, don't go in there. Please don't go in there. He goes. It's terrifying and weird. And he enters another dimension. He thinks he's out. He's not out. He comes back. He's like, I found my daughter. Are you my daughter? Goodbye. I'm dead. Goodbye. Forever. Cold, hot. Cold, hot. <laughs> I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, but I'm happier now. (laughs) Question mark. John Cusack, who I love. I love John Cusack. That was great. So at the end of the version that you watched, does he die? Are there two movie versions? I watched the director's cut, which has a different ending. Okay, so... I haven't seen this movie in years. I remember it being one of my favorite scary movies and rewatching it now. I feel like it held the test of time and it still is one of my favorite scary movies, but I remember it ending differently. So I feel like I did watch the director's cut and mm. I don't think I saw, I've seen the ending that I saw today because I watched, okay. I finished it this morning. Right. Um, he died in the one I watched. Yes. That's the director's cut. 
This movie, I struggled with this movie. This was hard because I read the 1408 short story. Oh, you did? Right before I watched it. Oh. And they completely ran away with everything. Like, really everything. (laughs) It's been Um, a long time since I've read it. Yeah, the, the short story is basically like The Shining Light. Like, it's yeah. like a very light entrance into The Shining. It's got the concept of, no, you don't understand. This room isn't haunted. It's evil. Like, it mm-hmm. makes people do bad things. That's kind of like Stephen King. I feel like he really loves that idea. Because you get it in Castle Rock, in... uh. The Shining. It's not twenty two. Kind of does that, but it's the house. It's like yeah, exactly. It's like an evil. It's an structure. Yeah. It's a place that wants you to do violence. Mm-hmm. He really likes that, and you definitely get this with this movie. However, um, after a certain point, I'm like, there are. I'm not sure that I think it was a great idea for them to turn this into a movie because it's just one person experiencing mm. things he doesn't have anyone to talk to he doesn't have anyone to express to there's no mm-hmm. one that he can move the plot along it's just john cusack reacting and i love to that <laughs> a room going insane oh, can you imagine the only other actor who could do this role for me is Nicolas Cage. Because I think... Can you imagine? Morgan! Literally, last night, Ian said, do you know, I didn't hate John Cusack in it, but he's not... I would have cast, like, a Nick Cage. And I was like, what? And and I was literally like, oh, my God. I oh would God. have cast a Nicolas right? Cage in this. Because Ian was saying that he, Nicolas Cage, has no subtlety. He goes all in whatever he's doing. Yes. And I feel like he would have had a lot of fun with 1408. Mm-hmm. John Cusack did not do a bad job. No, he did a great but, job. Um, it's a, it he would be a hard, crazy. it would just be a hard thing to do because it's like just an you actor, it's kind of impressive Cause, yeah because it's just him in a room reacting to shit reacting to crazy shit and like putting himself but ian's problem was was that he was never mortally dangered by the room he only ever like slapped his knuckles and i'm like yeah but psychological damage has its place they had to keep him to where he got to so it plays that has only just begun by the Carpenters. Is that the name of the song? I and think on so. The, on the alarm clock radio. Nah, and it starts nah, the... Nah, nah, nah. Yeah. And that it plays nice. a 60-minute timer, because no one lasts more than 60 minutes. He makes it, and then it starts over again, and it's going to be this endless loop. So I think they want to keep him alive long enough to get through that first loop and realize it's hopeless. Well, I'm not sure that the room can actually kill you. Is the thing. You have to kill yourself. Exactly. Because none of the people were killed by the room. Yeah. I want, just because this is how I am, I want all the backstories of all the other people who had died in the room. Mm -hmm. I love haunted history. So, the start of this movie is this, uh, he's a paranormal writer, and the costuming, this costume, no, he's a hack paranormal writer he's like he doesn't write like hauntedy books he writes like 
10 nights in a haunted hotel. Like, he writes, he like... He writes BuzzFeed articles. Yeah, basically in book form about <laughs> paranormal things. But he doesn't actually believe in ghosts. And he doesn't believe in anything. For the majority of the movie, he's wearing... Okay, I'm going to start with the f- okay. the top layer. We've got a blazer. layers. <laughs> Under the blazer is a Hawaiian shirt. Obviously. Under the Hawaiian shirt is a graphic t-shirt. Duh. And under that is John Cusack in probably the worst shape he's ever been in in his acting career. Yes. <laughs> However, it really works for this role. It does. <laughs> because I'm not sure. But And what's hilarious is I still felt that he was too attractive for the character he was playing. Yeah. I'm like, well, this. The wife was way too attractive. Well, that's just movies. They're yeah. all going to be too attractive. But I'm like, this guy is not a haunted like where's the ten, beard? Oh, ghost the, the story beard. writer Where yeah is it? um and at first we, and so he gets this random postcard that is supposedly from the room do we ever find out where this postcard's coming from no no it's just a postcard he gets he's like he's like in the 10th circle of divorced man living mm-hmm. in like la S- santa monica or something yeah. in uh, out somewhere outside of la and they all have Santa at the beginning of the names. I don't really know anything about California That's geography. True. But he's living out in California after this, like, messy divorce with his wife after their child died. Really young. And um, he gets a postcard that says, don't go to 1408. <laughs> which, of course, his, like, I would have been like, all right, moving yeah. on. <laughs> like, great. On <laughs> I love California. I'll stay here in California. And, uh, but instead he's like, no, I'm going. (laughs) You stupid. You think I wouldn't go. I'm going. So he goes goes to New York, even though it has like horrific memories, because that's where he used to live with his wife and daughter. He goes back just because a postcard dared him not to, like dared him, said he couldn't. And he's like, I can. So he goes and then Samuel L. Jackson. Of all people. Of all people, Samuel L. Jackson is the concierge concierge of this hotel, which is based off the Roosevelt, which is a real hotel in New York. I thought it might be based on the Chelsea, but it is not. Because uh, that's where Sid Vicious and Nancy Spungen had their little tango with death. Um, And he gets there and Samuel Jackson is like... Hey, don't go in there. <laughs> yeah, please. That's exactly how he read the line, too. Hey, don't go in there. Um, <laughs> hey. He's like, he's like, a lot of fucked up shit has happened in there. Nobody lasts over, like, electronics yeah. don't work in there. Like, just, I've got this stack of shit of all these people that have died in there. I can give this to you. You can write about it. Just do me a favor don't for go. your own safety. Do not go in there. And of course, he's like... Yeah, fuck you. I'm doing it. <laughs> and he bribed him with really nice liquor. He's like, and then he just takes this. the liquor and then is like, I'm still staying like, in the no, fucking room. No, that's not part of the deal. Give it back. <laughs> so he goes in this room. And at first it's just a really nice hotel room. And then um, what is the first thing that, that makes him question well, what's going on? First of all. 1408 
hotels don't have 13th floors, so this mm-hmm. is technically on the 13th floor, just labeled as 14, and mm. four, 1408 adds up to 13. Mm-hmm. Throwing that out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What's so, the first thing that happens? I think oh, it's and there's, the min- there's chocolate? No, there's chocolate on the pillow. Oh, yeah. And the first the, thing that the, happens the is that the- paper is folded. Yeah, the hotel, the like, it starts doing, like, cute little hotel things. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, uh, oh. like, very oh, smart. Very nice. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're funny. Cage, you got me. <laughs> he would have done some stupid shit. I would have loved it. Yeah. He <sighs> would have found- the Declaration of Independence. It's not John too Cusack late to did redo not it. do that. So, I would I would love to see that. But honestly, there's just not enough information there for a whole movie. the The uh, book itself takes like an hour to read aloud, like an hour. There's there's not you can't stretch that into ninety minutes without adding so much. And that's part of what frustrated about me because I was obnoxious and was just like, that wasn't in the book. That wasn't in the book. That kind of takes away from the book. Like, I was being obnoxious. I understand that they had to add some stuff. I just was not super into just like. If you're going to take a Stephen King movie adaptation and compare it to the literature, Katie, you're going to have a disappointing October. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably right. Um, Yeah. But basically, what happens is I think we're meant to believe that when he steps into that room, after about like 15 minutes, he basically enters another dimension. And if someone else, like a normal person, were to walk into that room, they would see no one there. Yeah. Because, well, allegedly the cops are there at one point, but there's no one in the room. But also, how can we take what she said seriously? Was she actually on the phone talking with him saying this at that point? Well, but what it is, is he tried to, he tries to break out of the window and then suddenly there's, it's just a wall full of brick and there's no way to get into anywhere else. And he tries to go up through the ducts. Oh my God. I forgot about the fucking corpse in the duct. The dusty corpse man. And he's like, I can't help you, sir. Oh, that was crazy. And, um, they, it just, it, it made it like. There is no way to win except to die. I guess that's what what fucked me up about the movie and not the book was that in the book, if someone outside of the physical room 1408 were to have bulldozed the door in, they would have found John Cusack standing there. And I thought that's what happened in the ending of one of the endings of the movie. Someone like busted in. I don't know. We directors cutted. but it seemed like after you go in this room after about 15 or 20 minutes like you're done like no one can save you like i would have thought that the samuel jackson would have just been waiting by the door no because he doesn't want to endanger himself true but also yeah you'd think that would have been nicer do you think the man that came by and helped him fix the thermostat was real oh yeah Because he wouldn't go in. He was like, any dumbass can fix a thermostat. I'm not going in. (laughs) I really liked that. Yeah, that was nice. And then whenever he looked and he was gone, he didn't just disappear. He looked and he was like booking it down the hallway. He was like, enjoy, dumbass. Good luck, stupid idiot. Yeah. So then, so then 
John Cusack is in this room, and then they basically whip out every possible scary thing you can imagine. A piece of clothing is faxed to him. There is a ghost fax. A ghost fax. It's the dress of his dead daughter. His dead daughter shows up and then explodes into ashes. He sees her cremated coffin. is hot. And then it's so cold, he strips down, I think, all the way down past Hawaiian shirt to graphic tee, and then it gets right billed back up again yeah. when it gets cold. He try he see what fucked me up also is the images of the people who had died before. They were like black and white and they were like they were like staticking like yeah. a TV. They just and I'm like, just make them look just make them look like people. Like they if made you make the them black lady and- look like a person. Hammer lady. Lady with all forehead. She was wielding a hammer, swinging at him. Was that a woman? Yeah, I think it was. I thought it was like Jason. It looked crazy. (laughs) It was, I don't know what the hell that was. It was like from like a painting, the paintings come alive. What fucks me up is that in the short story, the first thing that starts, I think, like really fucking with him is is the the paintings start to change and then in the movie after he's literally like held his cremated daughter then the paintings start to change and i'm like oh i think this i'm not sure that's gonna really set the tone that you're trying like at this point like we're we're past the paintings being weird um yeah oh god there was a shipwreck painted and then water just flooded in the Yes, he like tries to kick the painting and the whole room floods with water and he's drowning. And uh, I struggled with this movie. <laughs> um, but there was a really fun moment when he thinks he gets out. Um, and then you literally have like 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, where he's like, back um, in California, maybe yeah. back with his ex. Like the, he, he writes an entire book. And then he wakes up, like, back in the room. And I'm like, so this No, room... he doesn't wake up back in the room. He goes back to the the mail place, and it's four guys, and one of them he recognized as a concierge guy from the hotel. Right. And then they all look at him, they start breaking shit, they tear down the walls, and he's back in the room. Yes. Yes. But the room is charred after that? Yeah. Like, it's all black and sooty. To give you another perspective on what John Cusack looks like in this movie, Ian said that he looked like an Arizona ufologist. Also, that he looked like an adult tap dancer (laughs) in that he was paranoid, sweaty, and estranged from his family. Uh, Ian is his sister and his mother are both tap, or his mother's a dancer, his sister is a tap dancer. So he's known a lot of adult male tap dancers and apparently he really fits the bill. Um... I wrote notes on this, and in all caps, I just wrote, alert, a piece of fabric has been faxed to him. Ghost facts. <laughs> and then I just wrote, this movie has gone off the rails. And then, too small fedora. At one point, he's just always wearing this, like, straw fedora that just sits right on top oh, of his head. Yeah, when he's at the beach. Mm-hmm. And when he's choice. anywhere, anywhere in California, he's like, let me put on this tiny straw fedora um to let people know i'm really done procreating like i'm (laughs) done with my sexual prime (laughs) yeah i'm over 
it also kind of reminded me of Monster House, the movie Monster oh, House with I the love kids. Monster House. Somehow, I felt more unsettled by Monster House than I did by this movie. I was yeah. not scared for even a second when I was watching this movie. Really? I was it not was scared spooky. at all. And I watched it at, like late at night. I, was, I, re- I, I really it. tried. I and love then, a hotel haunting. I don't care if it's unrealistic. Here's the thing. It started out, and I was ready for this room to be evil. And the first few things it did, I just felt like it was sassy. And I'm like, I can identify with this room. I don't want to identify with this fucking evil <laughs> thing. Like, the moment I identified with it, I was like, all right. The, I'm not going to be scared at all by this. Because I would do all of these same things to John Cusack, this fucking ufologist. He, like, at first it's just like, hmm. <laughs> Put some chocolates on your pillow. <laughs> but then it's... Ooh, is that your daughter's cremated remains? <laughs> then you know, he saw, like, himself stuff I would Stuff you himself. would do at any prank. Any Express sleepover. Oh, my body. God. I couldn't handle the phone voice that was like, <laughs> you can use express checkout and it's like okay we don't be cute you don't be cute here like don't <laughs> I live. you mean i should kill myself very nice thank you Subtle. i won't kill myself says Subtle. as he kills himself why didn't they just set it on fire like the staff someone throw on a match and run away because that's called arson vandalism and arson <laughs> well if nobody says i just don't understand why they just didn't like yeah, just, like, lock up the room and just empty it of all its furniture and just, like, that room is out of commission. I was reading something and it said that according to the Fair Housing Act or something mm-hmm. along those lines, they have to rent out a room to someone if they, ha- they, if they have oh, a room. Oh, like, if it's available, it has to be. Oh. Yeah, you can't discriminate and not let people Oh, yeah, stay because it. that's how he sued to be able to stay there. Yeah. Hmm. And then What it's a fool like, he was. What a fool. The Oh, and the way that it was directed, that kind of fuck. Did you notice that the camera kept, like, zooming in on his hands and the objects he was handling, almost like it was an advertisement for, like, an Escalade? You know, he was, like, pouring a drink. It, like, it, like crash zooms on him, like, like clinking his glass. Like, it's always, like, vroom, vroom, vroom. like the directing style yeah, was so, yeah. like, like, here we are, and look at what you're handling with your hands. Like... <laughs> It was so intense, and I was like, this feels like an advertisement for some kind of lifestyle thing. Like a Lincoln Escalade. Like, I- yeah. <laughs> um, and when he injures his hand and he's trying to get out of the room, he literally uses only his injured hand. Yeah. And he's banging that door with pu- his injured hand. He punches the door. Yeah, yeah. He does not bang on- He punches. Like, he makes a fist- with his, like, broken knuckles. Yeah, he's not a thinking man. punches Which is this why door. it's the perfect role for Nicolas Cage. And he never tries to kick the door open. No. He never no, tries to kick at the locking mechanism. No, he breaks the doorknob. You can still get a door open after you break the doorknob and the key. You kick at that area. He just starts ravaging the door with his bloody hand and i'm like baby you're not gonna get out that way why and Mm. also how is it that he was the one who like lasted longer than all the rest he's got real reason to kill himself why would he why would this like ghost writer this like they might haunted house writer 
have like more I mean, everybody dies. mental fortitude than all these other people. I think he lasted as long as other people because you no one lasts more than sixty minutes because the sixty minutes never ends. Like it's I, always on that sixty minute timer. Yeah, but I bet that's like normal real time. I don't. I know. bet it's like an actual hour. It's That's the problem with the movie is that they put you in so much like, what's real? What's not? What's in the room? What is They put it? you in his mind, Katie. You're John Cusack now. Put on no, a Hawaiian shirt No, I identified more Do with it. the room than with him. Do it. I'm John Cusack. <laughs> I, the most unbelievable thing was when he got his laptop water damaged because of the sprinklers. And then um, it worked later. It was frozen and worked. <laughs> when did he connect to the Wi-Fi? <laughs> How did she call him without him answering? There was an Ethernet cable, Morgan. You didn't oh, notice? <laughs> no, I have no idea. <laughs> and then he, when he escaped, his laptop was working fine. He wrote a whole book on it. I don't think so. Was that the same laptop? It was the same laptop because of the dinky little webcam. Yes, but on that it. was fake. And what fucks me up also is that whenever he's out and he doesn't realize that he's still in, when he's still in the room but he thinks he's back in California. He writes an entire book. He, like, makes meals for himself. He mm-hmm. walks on the beach. This 1408 spirit evil room literally constructed a reality so detailed and so long that it had to construct a toilet for him to poop in. And poop. Him to poop out. Like, a lot of times. Yeah. Like... Like, the room had to be so mature and so powerful and so, like, patient that it had to just, like, construct, like, dirty dishes for him to clean. Like, meals, maybe an upset's tummy one point, like, a sink, he's got to shave. Yeah. It, like... Do you think it does that for everyone? Hmm. Because I don't think he's special. No, I think we can all agree he's not... I don't know if everyone necessarily gets to the point where they're so far in they're gonna have that happen. I have no idea. What's the, the universe point of, of this lady? What's the point man? of fourteen oh eight? Yeah, Stephen King I guess loves it's, a hotel. It makes you well in the movie. The point of it is like believe in something. You know, he's just like, I'm an atheist and I don't believe in ghosts. And then it's like, well, do you believe in Satan? Like, and then he's like, I guess I believe in God now. Like, it it was a weird, like, treatise on, like, believe in something. I liked the ghost of him at the end smoking a cigarette. And then he left the room and you heard a ghost door slam shut. Yeah, and his daughter being like, Daddy. Which just reminded me of the end of Hocus Pocus whenever Thackeray Binks's like sister is like, Thackeray, Thackeray, what took so long? And he's like, uh, I was a cat for 300 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, it reminded me of just like, come on, Daddy Cusack. And he's just like, I'm coming, just checking the charred remains of this horrific place that took my life. <laughs> Back to heaven with me. Oh, what if it was uh, Nicolas Cage as John Cusack, but also Nicolas Cage as every other person in the movie? Okay, number one, there's only like three other people in the movie. His daughter, (laughs) his wife, Samuel Jackson, all the ghosts. 
him singing the Carpenter song? There's a lot of possibilities, Katie. In the paintings. Yeah. Shelf fit for now, but I think that's worth looking into. <laughs> okay, um, let's let's create a rating system for the movies okay. we watch. Let's make several uh let's rate it in terms of enjoyable to watch. Okay. Zero out of let's go out of five stars okay. so enjoyability scale what do you give it i give it a four because i had a fun time yeah i'm gonna give it a three because i was a little bored but ian really really enjoyed watching I enjoyed it, it a lot. um he <laughs> he kept being extremely he's like really into editing and and film and he just could not believe the directing style he was seeing and he couldn't he was fixated on John Cusack's hair. Yeah. Fixated. He was like, what is happening Sometimes here? it's... What whoosh. the fuck is happening? Yeah. It's like straight up all around. Yeah. It was it's like, static. I get why you would wear maybe that tiny fedora. Okay. So I give it a three. You give it a, five, a four. Okay. About... um, Hmm. What about... I, okay. What about a spookiness? Maybe a spookiness scale. Zero out of five. Um, that's hard. I want to give it like a three or a four. Okay. Maybe a three, because, yeah, a three. Okay. I got to give it a zero. It didn't make me scared at all. Oh, I, I know. It didn't make my heart rate ever change. I, well, I feel like spooky and scary are different. Oh, God. Well, we can't do subcategories. <laughs> okay. The so fear. Which one is it? The fear, fear okay. factor. Like actual Two. scariness. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> okay. Because uh, I didn't so like we... that. I knew that the ghost and the ducks wasn't going to get him, but I didn't like the way he crawled. You know what's hilarious about that? Because I'm friends with and have interacted with dancers throughout my entire life, I was literally like, oh, I feel like I know that guy. Like, I feel like I know the male dancer, actor who was cast as that corpse who can move like that. And I'm like... Yeah, I feel like I know that guy who plays that role. So maybe me being an actor and being in that world helped me not be afraid of that. Because I was like, yeah, that seems like... I get that. Like Jim. Like, that seems... Like, I feel like I would be hanging out with that guy on his smoke break. Oh, no. He does not have the grace. (laughs) Because the way that he was moving, it takes, like, physical strength and, like, a dancer's kind of body awareness yeah because he and that's what i was thinking yeah <laughs> but i totally totally understand it being really creepy because it was weird and uh wriggling through like an well. air duct is a totally upsetting thing to do yeah that would have been scary as the actors that were in it yes i think we should do a rating for because we're gonna do other Stephen king novel two movies yeah. and we need mm-hmm. a rating that's like did it do the writing justice maybe something along those mm-hmm. lines Mm. which i can't remember the last time i read this it probably didn't do it any justice <laughs> well then how about th- okay we did what was the first rating so oh enjoyability, enjoyability it was enjoyability fear. fear and then hmm what if we how about we do what's oh well there's no there's no main accents in this so i give that zero zero out of five zero for, for mainness zero yeah. out of five for mainness I think that's probably going to be the best that we can yeah. do. Because <laughs> that's, I feel like if it if it stays true to the mainness, then it stayed true to the book. 
(laughs) (laughs) And there was no mainness in the book nor in the movie, and yet they could have sprinkled some in. So that's a zero out of five. Thank you. Stephen King cameo, not there. None. Zero out of five. We'll have a Stephen King counter, too. On the oh, side. this is fun, though, talking about cameos. The man who played his father mm-hmm. uh, is the original Sweeney Todd. <gasps> oh. In, in the, the original Broadway production, Stephen Sondheim, Sweeney Todd. That is that man sitting in that wheelchair. And literally, I saw him and was like, oh, sing, baby. You know you can. <laughs> you know you can sing better than everyone around you right now. Go, honey. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. I was like, so, ugh. Anytime I see Broadway performers, like, on television, I'm like, you know you could stunt on all these hoes. Please do it. Do it. Like, Emily Gilmore on The Gilmore Girls, the grandma, she was a part of the original cast of A Chorus Line. So anytime (gasps) she does, like, a slow dance or anything for anything, I'm like, bitch, show them what you can do. Because I know it so much more than they realize, you know? I'm like, oh, honey, I know you're so talented. (laughs) But yeah, so a little, just a little Broadway. Just a little Broadway. (laughs) So Broadway ability, uh, the five out of five. Wait, no, because Len Cario was in it. And he was Sweeney Todd, so... That's that's pretty broad. Okay, for the Broadway scale. <laughs> this has gone off the rails. Um, but that was really fun. That was 1408. Was um, from that, we will glean trivia. Uh, Ian is working at New York Magazine right now. And he there's a pile of books that they get sent. Pile of just stuff. And it's just free. It's like stuff that none of the writers need or want. And if you work there, you can just rifle through it and take what you want. And he found a book called Stephen King Films FAQs. And so it's literally just like this like textbook of the backstory behind Stephen King oh film God. adaptations. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. Yeah. And so I'm going to be taking some trivia from oh, there. And, but also it's going to be, you know, insane. Fun read. Yeah. So that's going to be it for today. Starting off Spooktober. Nope, that wasn't what it was. Kingtoberfest. Toberfest. How did Excuse you Excuse me. I'm s- <laughs> sorry. Uh, and that was it. If you have a scary story of your own, send it to us at letters to camp at gmail.com. You can like us on Instagram and Facebook, merch at redbubble.com. Leave us a review, a subscription, Get ready for rating, more rating, King. rating, rating, and get ready for more Stephen King. And in the meantime, have a spooky night filled with the rest of the street of a haunted thing.